Listening Dog Media. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The offside rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Offside Rule We Get It podcast number three of the 2016-17 season. Once again, Lindsay Hooper and myself, Kate Borso, find ourselves nestled in a coffee shop al fresco. <laughs> we love it, don't we? <laughs> Being outside. It's one of the hottest days of the year and we thought it would be rude not to. And we've also... We've tied in the fact that we've never been outside the Premier League HQ and they've changed offices. We decided to come to this part of central London um, and make this a Premier League-themed podcast. All answers are Premier League-related. If that's the league that you live and breathe, then you'll be able to join in with us. I might even throw a few questions at you. You can get in touch with us via our Twitter, at Pod if you want to add some more value to our topics this week. But yeah, why not? Outside, al fresco. Yes, the perfect excuse to um, share our knowledge with some of the people sitting down in this particular marketplace in central London. I hope we're not interrupting anyone's business breakfast, Lindsay, today as they talk markets and stocks and shares and strategy plans and we talk Premier League. Yeah, I think we were going to be because we nearly went to your your choice of coffee shop (laughs) where the tables are all on top of each other and I just thought I don't think all of these ladies having their nice little morning coffee are going to appreciate us doing our podcast right next to them but um, where we've moved to I think we're in we're fine fine. she snubbed my upmarket choice by the way folks (laughs) Uh, what are we talking about on today's podcast well as we said it is Premier League themed and we're going to be talking best squad players of course Mm. as the season goes on uh, football teams are going to be relying on their squad players the reliable sort who sit on the bench come up trumps with a goal or just those players players who are actually ideal fantasy team advocates and that they are in and around the first team a lot but not necessarily of kind of huge financial worth. Yeah, and after the Manchester derby at the weekend, I think that's something that may be starting to get applied to Marcus Rashford. Um, We saw that Mourinho definitely wants him as part of the Manchester United plans, but is he going to get regular enough starts? Probably not. He's probably going to be that player that's coming off the bench, uh, an impact sub. I think that's the the role that he's going to have to endure for a while. But I so disagree if that's how Mourinho is going to play him. I think he's the most exciting thing about that Manchester United squad at the moment is Marcus Rashford. You can sign Ibrahimovic, you 
can sign Pogba, but I'm sorry for me, hands down, Rashford looks much more exciting and, of course, is a better long-term prospect. Why won't Mourinho play him week in, week out? Well, he can't. He's signed some mega bucks players. He simply can't play Marcus Rashford week in, week out because it would look embarrassing. But also, of course, he is young. You can't possibly put a young player through that much pressure and that much sustained play. So a slightly unfortunate position for Marcus Rashford. He's a complete superstar in my eyes, but of course he won't play every game. But I feel bad calling him a squad player, Lindsay. He's mainly a squad player because of his age, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, and we know that Mourinho as well likes to keep faith with the bigger names. He likes the proven, the tested players, the experience. I understand that that's the way that he manages, but maybe this is an era for Mourinho to start looking towards youth more. I mean, that's something he's been criticised in the past for doing. I think people would throw up examples and say, you know what, sometimes that's a bit undue. But on this occasion, I think this will be the big test because, like you say, he is a superstar in the making. He's definitely a very talented player and he needs to be woven in. Many people now saying, you know, is, is the time for Rooney to go to the, the bench? Is that, is that what's going to happen? never happen. I don't know. Um, so, yes, we're talking squad players. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Um, and the unknowns. This oh. is another one we're going to be looking at. Um, since we made our new boys 11, quite a few players have arrived in the Premier League before deadline day. We're going to be taking a look back at those players who've arrived during the summer, ones we might not know too much about. And there's a good reason, by the way. I've researched a couple of players. The reason why we don't know much about them is there isn't much information about them. So what can we claw? What can we find from our sources? What can we gather together on some of these unknowns? players. It is one of the things in press rooms now. So I was at the Emirates on Saturday and you're listening to different journalists and we're talking about all the different players and of course there have been these new players that have just emerged at squads and then you're going through the squad list certainly at this time of year and just familiarising yourself with their backgrounds and there was a lot of who are they? Where have they come from? What do they do? How do you say their name? Yeah. And I think what's funny is that, well, because of the amount of money in the league this season, clubs are making record signings of players that we don't know much about, which is unusual. You know, normally if it's a record signing, of course the big clubs are making record signings, who we do know about, your Pogba's and everyone else. But a couple of the um, clubs lower down the league are making record signings of players that aren't necessarily, in my eyes, worth that amount of money but they're having to because that's the amount of money around at the moment but yeah so some some interesting key signings big name signings for them who we've not heard much about we could have picked so many players for this as well i was i was looking at all the ones that have come in and how much we know about them there are so many new players in the premier league this season you'll have your own ones that you you probably know a little bit more about what i've done for mine i've chosen three of the big clubs Mm. um one of them being the, the champ current champions leicester um but i've gone for big Big, big clubs and names that you're going to see a lot of. We, you know, Premier League around the world, everyone's going to be watching the likes of Manchester United, Manchester City. So I've chosen players from bigger teams that you might think, well, I want to know a bit more about them. So this is interesting. So you're defining Leicester as a big team? The champions of the Premier League, they're the current champions. But does it make them a big team? This is interesting. It does. I think it does. It certainly does. And Leicester City are the team that everyone's talking about around the world. They are the inspiration for a lot of teams around the world. They are the reasons why perhaps chairman is saying, well, you don't necessarily need that extra £20 million on your budget, Mr Manager Sir, because look what Leicester did last season. I'm sure Leicester are going to be the, the bugbear of many a manager for many a season to come because of that. I don't know whether I call them a big club. I think they had a fantastic season last season and everyone's talking about them. 
but jury's still out for me. I think in the current climate, they are Premier League champions. They're playing Champions League football. They are a big club. For 2016-17, they are a big club. <laughs> Neither of us is going to win this one, are we? Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit later on uh, as we're just down the road from the Premier League headquarters. Um, a little bit on the new laws of the game. There are just under 100 new laws. Oh. Everything from being able to have an extra sub during extra time in an FA Cup game uh, to the one that's got most people talking so far, which is referee. Crackdown on referee abuse. Yeah, the discipline. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later. I mean, at Arsenal against Southampton, which was the game that I was reporting at, Santi Cazorla, a player that you probably wouldn't associate with that, but he, he did show some dissent towards the referee. He got booked very swiftly for it. Is it a consistent rule? Well, it's probably going to be very difficult for it to be a consistent rule, I think. And that's what we're going to find out this season. But there are going to be a hell of a lot more yellow cards. We'll talk about it more. So don't forget, you can check out our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Our Twitter feed, always the source of much information and amusement. Um, you can catch all sorts of vines and pictures and all sorts going on there at Offside Rule Pod and our Facebook page, The Offside Rule. I was only just looking at the Facebook page this morning at the Team of the Week. Who was in it? There you go. The female take on football. OK, Lindsay, let's crack on with topic one. Inspired by Marcus Rashford, best squad players, players who don't necessarily play regular first-team football but make an impact off the bench or someone, you know, a really useful tool in the tool bag. I'm sure players would love to be described as that. Oh, you're a really useful spanner, aren't you? Someone I can always <laughs> I depend upon. I like to be described as a spanner. <laughs> uh, who are you going to start us off with? Well, I think the best place to start is with the player that actually was introduced as a substitute the most times last season. And that was for the champions, Leicester City, Leonardo Ojoa. I think it goes to show how important as well it was to have a striker on the bench like him that could come on and score important goals. He did do that on a few occasions. And he's very tall. He's a big aerial threat, but was never going to compete in terms of being a regular first team starter when you had Jamie Vardy in the form that he was in. Okazaki, I love him as a player. He's just a new for defences but he seems quite content and happy to be part of that champion winning side and he certainly did play his part I'd also say that he could be challenging for that title again this season (laughs) as the player that comes on the most but he would be one of the best squad players I think certainly in the Premier League last season Okay, I'm going to go down south to Bournemouth. Junior Stanislas is who um, I've been looking at. Security of starts an issue for him really because of the uh, strength of what they've already got in midfield. Um, He did top the charts, though, for their goal attempts per appearance. So stat-wise, he looks pretty good. Scored on three occasions last season, but the competition really is what restricts him as a squad player. He's made one appearance in the Premier League so far this season, so hard to tell quite how he's going to feature. He was injured at the start of the season as well. So his time, really, is yet to get started this season, but last season, very much a squad player. And I think, you know, again, a really useful tool. You want someone who's got those precise stats so that when they do come off the bench they're going to offer you some extra value whether that's a striker who's immediately going to make an impact in front of goal whether that's a defender who you know perhaps can't play every game because he's getting on a bit or because there's an injury history there or a midfielder who will shore things up be reliable but also create as well I wonder if he's a player that's as happy being a squad player as perhaps a Joa. I'd say not. I'd say that Stanislas is trying to push to be a regular starter. And 
as is the player that I'm going to mention now, and he's got a real tough, <laughs> tough time of it because when Sergio Aguero is the man that keeps yeah. you out most of the time, you're not really going to get that many minutes under your belt. But at the weekend, we saw it in the Manchester derby. I think if Sergio Aguero is banned as he was for that game or injured, then this man isn't a bad option to come on, is he? Kalechi Iheanacho from Manchester City. He actually is part of the youth system at Manchester City, so a player that they've nourished themselves. I think you'd call Sergio Aguero Plan A. Um, and Ian Acho seems to be at the moment, he's getting his chances to be Plan B. A very promising youngster. Going back to last season, Manuel Pellegrini, he didn't start him even a handful of times, actually. His preference was to use him as a substitute. But he scored some important winners. He scored a winner against Crystal Palace last season, and that was within a minute of him coming off the bench, within 60 seconds. Now, I don't know about these records. I'm sure someone else has beaten that, but that's pretty impressive. If you do know who's broken that record, by the way, you can let us know at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. I'm always looking to you for these things as our audience listening. You know much more than us sometimes on these. But also scored against Swansea, scored against Spurs as well, coming off the bench. So some important goals. A waiter offering you a coffee during that, Lindsay, which she was, she was so professional. You carried on and ignored him, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, that's all, that's all the training, and I'm really regretting it now because I really want a coffee. <laughs> what I was going to ask you about Ian Acho, though, is how long he's going to be comfortable being in that position. I can understand it when a player's young, but if he's as good as we think he might be, how long is he going to wait it out until he goes to another club? Because he's not, realistically, we, we see it so rarely. I'm trying to think of the last time that I've seen it where, well, I suppose Marcus Rashford, but he's still not a regular first-team starter, where a player has been developed as a youth player and come through and made those regular starts. I think if you're at one of the top four or five clubs, there's a better chance of it lasting. Your example of junior Stanislas at Bournemouth is that the main focus is Premier League football for them. To finish as high as they can, they may have a good cup run, but apart from that, that's what they're involved in. Whereas if you are within that squad team that's playing Champions League football, that's having a good run in Europe, that's playing Premier League, competing for the title, also FA Cup, League Cup... I think there is more of an argument that you need a richer squad and that you will get your chance to shine. I think Ian Acho, for now, I can see him staying put with Manchester City. They're a team now under Pep Guardiola that are growing. Their ambitions in Europe, I'm sure, are going to be vaster than they have ever been before. They're going to need good players, and he is definitely quality. But he might also have eyes across Europe keeping keeping tabs yeah. on what he's doing. Because I think he'd be the sort of player that someone would be looking to try and nab in a transfer window. So... Let's see how long he lasts there. But I think when Aguero is fit and firing, there is no way he gets in that team. But if he's not, it's a great option to have. All right, I'm going to go Jonathan Lecco. Three appearances so far this season, all as a sub for West Brom. He could have a breakthrough season. I think at the moment he's a squad player because of his age. I think we'll have to see how that translates for the rest of the season. He's only 17 year, years old, handful of appearances at the end of last season on the left wing. Pulis is quite good with youngsters, so I would trust him to bring him through. At the moment, a squad player, but for me, a squad player, you might want to watch. It'll depend what, what happens in that West Brom setup and, of course, who else is in there competing for places. But yeah, one to watch, a squad player, but a bit like Marcus Rashford. And actually, he has more chance than Marcus Rashford of playing regular first-team football. Jonathan Lecco. I'm talking about Mo Barrow for Swansea. Very quick player. Used most often as a substitute at Swansea last season. He's actually the first footballer of Gambian descent to play in the Premier League. How about that? I'm going to throw that one in there. Oh, OK, really? Yeah. I think if he when, when he actually starts... I think he started, hasn't he now? So I think he's become something like the 95th 
different nationality that's started a game in the Premier League. Anyway, that was just something in the back of my brain somewhere. It might not be wholly accurate. I think it's I think it's pretty accurate. But um, what I would say about him is, though, I think if you're going to have a good squad player, the one thing they really need, unless you've got the case of like a Joa who brings you know that aerial threat as a striker, I think the thing you need is pace. Because when you're coming off the bench and you've got fresh legs, that's the one thing that you want to do is stretch defences, stretch midfields. And Barrow has that in abundance. I think this season, though, he may move up the ranks slightly. He may get more starts and he may be more of a more of a regular in that Swansea team. My last one, Jay Rodriguez for Southampton. Tried to leave, didn't he, during the window, but Southampton opted to let him stay. I think for him this is a really important season. He needs to be a very useful squad player. He's made three appearances so far, scored one. He is a reliable player, but I think he's really struggled to get over that injury from a couple of years ago. So for him, it's a really important season for him to recapture his form. Either he becomes a very useful player in that Southampton squad again, or he makes a move, and this is up to him to decide. Here's an interesting question with him. So at the weekend against Arsenal, he started for Southampton, but then was substituted. And I thought it was quite clear all along he was never going to get 90 minutes. There was going to be a change. So if you are a player that's coming in off the bench, is it better for you to start or is it better for you to come off the bench? I would say from a mentality point of view, it's better to come off the bench. Because you've already seen some of the plays. So you've sat and you've judged the play, you've got the ear of the manager, and then you go on and you make a difference according to what the manager's tactically said. And also having that psychological part of being the one taken off. Yes. You've been substituted. Yes. So in a way, it feels more negative. I, I wonder, we should speak to someone who's um, on our travels, who's regularly a substitute and say that, you know, would you prefer to start and have 45 minutes or would you prefer to be yes. substituted for the second? Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day. All right, let's move on to the unknowns. Plenty of players joining the Premier League this summer, as you've mentioned, Lindsay, a whole plethora of them. I can't get my head around half no. of them. I mean, you know, every time I watch a game of football, I'm like, who's he? Yeah. <laughs> Going down the team sheet and uh, who's that? Where have they come from? <laughs> How many million pounds? Um, so let's give a pick of three, mm. a little rundown on some of these players. Actually, there were so many players to choose from. The only way I could whittle it down was to choose two players with the same first name. <laughs> That, that's one way of doing it. I actually sent you a message very early on when we were discussing topics and said, don't you dare, I know Kate will say is a Liverpool fan, um, but don't you dare go for Carrius at Liverpool. I have a little bit of a thing about him now. A football crush? I do have a bit of a football crush, I have to say. I started following him from the moment he joined Liverpool and I saw the unveiling with a shirt, I followed him on Instagram because everybody needs cheering up once a day. See a nice picture. Is he the man to do it? He is the man to do it. Um, so if you, unlike me, haven't been ogling a lot, Larice Carrius at Liverpool. Um, he is their new goalkeeper, 23 years old. Um, £4.7 million he cost. Um, he definitely will make time pass quicker. And he, he does. If you've watched, watched some Liverpool game, it gets a bit drab. Just put your eyes to the bench at the moment because Simon Mignolet is still getting the nod for, uh, for the first team start. But I think that's about to change. Um, a little unknown fact about Carrius. He signed for Manchester City when he was just 16 years old. But um, he moved to Germany to Mainz two years later. So he has been in England before. Uh, he made his Bundesliga debut with Mainz when he was just 19. And then that following season became their first choice goalkeeper. He played every league game last season. I think he's a goalkeeper that benefits from that, from having week in, week out football, which is why he refused to go out to the Olympics 
he wanted to concentrate. He had a broken hand and he's been getting back to fitness, but he wants to challenge for that number one spot at Liverpool. Um, and that is his main focus at the moment. He saved two penalties, kept nine clean sheets last season. And I think from little bits that I'm hearing, I don't think Klopp's a fan of Mignolet. And I think as soon as this broken hand and, and he's back to full fitness, I think we'll see a lot of carriers and I'm quite happy about that. Do you think he could be the new Thibaut Courtois? Similar, similar situation to, to kind of what Chelsea had in, in, in terms of a long-standing goalkeeper and then a young pretender coming up through the ranks. Well, sort of, apart from that Mignolet is no Petr Cech, is he? <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> um, anyway, when you look at prices, carriers cost nearly half the fee that Mignolet cost. I just think once he's fully recovered, we're going to see a lot more. I do have to question why Lindsay wants to see a lot more yeah, of him yeah. week in, week out, and why she thinks uh, he'd be such a good replacement for Simon Mignolet. But there we go. Can you imagine, by the way, before I start my picks, if I'd phoned up, if I'd put out there to all the Premier League players that I was doing a topic about unknowns, new signings, unknowns, and Ibrahimovic came up for mention, he'd be so, it would be the ultimate thing to offend him. So if, if you're thinking about offending Zlatan, it would be to, to, to put him in a topic of unknown footballers, wouldn't it? That, that, that would be the ultimate insult for him. Um, anyway, I'm going to pick for mine two players with the same first name. They just drew my eye, and I, and I actually don't know much about them at all. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a, a little, uh, little look-see at these players. Sofian Faguli who signed for West Ham. He played in pre-season, actually, and looked to be pretty good. He's provided an assist in one of their games, but he's currently out with a hamstring injury. So we still don't know much about him, but I'll give you a little bit of his back history. He signed from Valencia, where he played last season. In terms of scoring, he never scored more than six goals in any league campaign in his past. So he's not as strong as the others who might compete for his position, Antonio Payet. Lanzini at West Ham but assist wise he's pretty good and this is where he's quite interesting laid on a chance every 48.4 minutes in La Liga last term quicker than all West Ham midfielders apart from Payet so that's where he could be strong so an unknown quantity for me but I'm interested to see how he settles into that West Ham team and a West Ham team probably haven't had the start that they desired in their new stadium have they yet I'm going to talk about Manchester United because one of the players that we now see in the starting lineup quite often is Eric Bailey. Uh, lots of people talking about Bailey. I've been listening to phone-ins when I got back from Brazil and one of the first players' name that I heard mentioned was Bailey and I was thinking, Ooh, well, I don't know too much about Eric. Cost 30, 30 million pounds, he's only 22. Villarreal, now from the bits of La Liga I did watch last season, I did know he was a bit of a tower, towering player, very strong, very physical. Yes, he is very physical. And Man United, I think, have had a very good buy with him. I think he's the sort of player that Mourinho will bring the best out of. He began his career at Espanyol, so he's got a very Spanish background. That's my only concern with him in terms of Premier League and adjusting, because some players do it very quickly, some take much longer. And, and when Espanyol and Villarreal are your two main teams that you've played for, it's going to be a big ask for him to get to the, the pace of what the Premier League is nowadays. But he seems to be adjusting fairly well at the moment. He replaced at Villarreal, he replaced uh, Gabriel Paulista, who went to Arsenal. So that was the replacement that he was there. He had a pretty good year because he won the Africa Cup of Nations, with the Ivory Coast um, in 2015 in that season and some strong defensive displays because if you look at La Liga the biggest test for any defender must be how do they cope against Messi, Ronaldo, Benzema, Neymar and the answer to that when you speak to any Spanish football experts about him is that he coped admirably so surely if he's been up against the best in terms of attack he's going to do okay here so he's certainly someone that I think we'll see a lot of this term and will be a regular name in the Premier League.
what's interesting with him as well is that I don't think since Vidic have Man United had that type of physical defender. I mean, he, he is a real presence and he's he's great to look at for that. You know, I love looking at strong physical players and yeah. I think let's not make any odds about this. Um, I don't think I've been as excited to see a defender in Manchester United's lineup as I have him since since Vidic. You know, mm. I, 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 think, I think he will be an out-and-out out comparison in time to come. Um, I'm going to go quickly on to Sofian Buffel, signed for Southampton from Lille, where he's shone. Not a particularly strong team, but he's shone in that team. 22 years old, uh, 14 league goals and 10 assists in 18 months. Dribbles are good, versatile in attack, and I think that that's where he's key. I know Arsenal were looking at him over the summer as well. Wenger knows him well. He didn't play against Arsenal. He's also had a delayed start to the season, but could feature any time soon. One to look out for for me, Sofian Buffel. Final quick one, uh, Luis Hernandez, sporting Guion to Leicester City. This was a free transfer, a player should be in the peak of his career really now, 27 years old, a centre-back, graduated from Real Madrid's youth academy, never actually went on to play for the Spanish Giants, but part of that setup, he must, he must have the skills. A little stat about him, he made more successful defensive actions, what an action is determined as, I don't know, 343 in fact, so that was more than any other La Liga player last season. And Another guy that's come from Spain, you know, Sporting Guion, they only just stayed up by a point last season. Maybe not the best defence to be involved in. It was his only top flight campaign as well. So there's a lot for him to do and to prove in this league. But for a free transfer, I guess worth the punt. My final one is Italy international Stefano Akaka. He's signed for Watford. And, you know, despite Watford being his 10th club, he's been all over the place, this guy. We don't know an awful lot about him. He did have a brief loan spell at Fulham in 2010, where he scored twice in 11 games. I guess his strongest season was last season for Anderlecht, where he scored 15 times in the Belgian Pro League. He's certainly a journeyman so far, and I think it's going to be interesting to see whether he's put all that experience together, the bulk of the experience being in Italy. I couldn't find loads and loads about him. I know he is already up and playing in the league, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. But one little fact that I found was that his twin sister, like the fact he's got a twin sister, Stefania, Stefano and Stefania, <laughs> get it? Yeah. No, it's just true, is a professional volleyball player. Oh, and I like the volleyball at the yeah, Olympics. Yeah. Very much. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Three women talking about football. I'm used to listening to four old women talking about football on Saturday afternoons, so I definitely prefer this. I think we'll just finish off and round off by talking, um, seeming as we're so close to the Premier League headquarters, there's probably referees in there today. We're recording this on a Tuesday, Kate. There might be a few referees having a debacle about a few incidents at the weekend inside. Who knows? Having some conversations. Certainly the phones are ringing off the hook. Uh, what are we thinking about the fact that every Premier League club were visited pre-season, told that there was going to be a clampdown on any gesturing, any waving of pretend cards, any throwing the ball away, any back chats. And we've seen that implemented a lot. I was talking about earlier in the podcast about Santi Cazorla and him getting a yellow card for that at the weekend in the game that I was watching. And it was happening up and down the leagues. In particular, the Premier League are clamping down on it. Personally, I think it's good when you look down to grassroots football and all our children that are playing on Sundays in parks and copying these players. I think it's great to stamp down on it, but there's a consistency problem, isn't there? There is, yeah, and I think there's a consistency problem with a lot of these rule changes, and that's what happens when you bring in new rules. Not every referee, and I'm going to say not, not every referee interprets them in the same way, but of course they have to because it's part of the rules. But you saw at the end of August, three games, Jurgen Klopp went into meltdown, basically. He had a big old hissy fit about it, yeah, a couple of weekends ago when Jan Vertonghen clearly pulled Joe Matip's shirt. 
at a corner, they, Liverpool should have got a spot kick and instead he just blew his whistle as a warning. So it's, it's kind of times like that where it gets a bit messy. They can't just blow the whistle anymore. It needs to mean something. There was an incident at that same weekend at Goodison as well. Stoke conceded a spot kick in contentious circumstances. That sent Mark Hughes into meltdown. So, you know, you have to be careful because whilst it's good that we're clamping down, it's another reason for managers to stress out and start pointing the finger at different referees for what appears to be inconsistent decision-making. And coming back to our earlier topic about squad players, that could be more important because the more that players are picking up what I would call silly yellow cards for things that are avoidable, then, of course, they're in dangerous territory of getting a second yellow and being sent off. And there might be more strategic substitutions taking place. So you might actually see squad players use more. And the other thing to say is that gone now surely are the days of players like Gary Lineker who never even got a yellow card it's making it so much more impossible to have a good discipline record in football although triple punishment's gone in that if there's an accidental foul in the penalty area that now carries a yellow rather than a straight red of course if it's contentious if if there's been a shirt pull or a deliberate foul of course that it carries a red so that's perhaps one evened it out I don't think it's evened it out because they've brought in things like yellows for illegal feints. You can stutter whilst you run up to take a penalty, but you can't stop before you take the penalty. So that now carries a yellow. And they're even clamping down on undershorts, Lindsay. You know, you're not allowed to wear different coloured undershorts to your shorts or to the lowest part of your shorts. I really want to know who gets the first card for that <laughs> up and down the leagues. Players who are injured can now get treated on the field of play. So rather than a player being injured and it's the fault of the opponent, rather than them having to leave the, the leave the field of play, which of course puts the innocent injured party's team at a significant disadvantage, they can now stay on the field. Obviously, play stopped, um, and then they can carry on when the injury is sorted out. So that's even things up a little bit as well. But I think what's going to be interesting are the two men aspects for me, which are the triple punishment. Is it a red or is it a yellow? Was it deliberate or was it not? And this haranguing the referees business. Because in my mind, I think the, the, the only way that you can truly stop haranguing referees, because where is the line? There's no clear and definite line, really, is there? Is just to mic up the referees. Here's another question. If you're the captain and you're haranguing yeah. the referee, are you not entitled to do that because you're the, yeah. the word in his ear? But yeah. when does that word turn foul? Well, I think Jordan Henderson had this at the weekend as well. When is it too much chat? Yes, I think, I think, I think you get a little bit more as captain, don't you? But then when do you draw the line with that? It's still, it's still too murky for me. What have you been making of all these rule changes as you're listening, our regulars, to the Offside Rule podcast? Uh, let us know. You can get in touch via our Twitter account at Offside Rule Pod. It's really easy to do that in the old 140 characters. <laughs> let us know what you think. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page and you can check out daily new uh, web articles on our website, OffsideRulePodcast.com. It's been nice being outside. Although I was going to say, by the way, you could do what Joe Hart did. Type a note on your iPhone, photo grab it and then tweet that instead. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. <laughs> when he said bye to Manchester City fans and thank you. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has been lovely to be outside. Not sure how many more of these we're going to get. We're back in a couple of weeks. Rumour is we're going to be doing something at Soccer X, but we'll keep you posted as to developments on that, I'm sure, on our Twitter feed. And don't forget the Twitter account at OffsideRulePod and the website as well, where there's brilliant, fresh new content every day. We've got Brian Gunn involved this season and Mark Halsey as well. So some good names giving their opinions from kind of behind the the game. You know what else we've had? We've had three podcasts and each time two of us, but it could be a trio next time. It really could be. Join us for Podcast 4. Watch videos and hit subscribe to our YouTube channel, Offside Rule TV. Sports Social Podcast Network.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.